Who's excited to be worshiping God this morning? Man, what a time of worship. Gosh, can I get an amen for that this morning? And uh, it was also, it's kind of a fusion taker. If you don't know me, I'm Ross Strickland. I'm the student pastor here. Um, we had Kitty up here, who's our fusion uh, worship leader. We had Grace, who's in high school. Uh, we have a ton of other students who help us lead worship on Sunday nights. So it's kind of like a fusion youth group takeover this morning. And it was so good. Um, and so I'm so excited to be here this morning. Uh, it's Christmas at Cross Point. Who's excited about that? Yeah, a lot of things, a lot of great things going on. Uh, one thing was brought to my attention earlier uh, in our bulletin. You'll see we have the James Eunice Blood Drive coming up December 14th. And that's actually Friday in the bulletin. I believe it says Thursday. So make sure you take note of that. It's only on Friday, uh, December 14th. And so as we we're getting ready for Christmas around here, um, I, was, I was giving uh, Miss Linnell a hard time. Uh, the other day I was working on some things for Fusion for our student life groups. And uh, she came in, she said, hey, are you busy? I said, uh, kinda, yeah. And she was like, well, we got some Christmas trees to put up. Can you come help? I was like, I'm there. And uh, so then me and Darren put together the huge, beautiful Christmas tree. Wasn't it beautiful out there? Yeah? Yes. Yes, it was. And uh, we put it up. And uh, it wasn't fluffed yet, and they were like, are you gonna fluff it? We were like, I guess so. And so uh, me and several other people volunteered. Uh, some of our coffee shop workers even helped out uh, fluff the tree out there. So if you need any fluffing this Christmas, don't come to me. I've already had my share of doing that at, on the Christmas tree out there. But I'm so excited to be here uh, just sharing God's word this morning. Uh, I was so excited when David asked me to share uh, and, just, and just lead this morning, and it was, it was an honor and a privilege. And um, this morning, we're gonna be looking uh, at a story, uh, we're gonna continue in our series uh, called uh, Christmas at Cross Point. Last week, Michael led us and he showed us the ancestry of our king. And we jumped right into Matthew. We read a really long list of these names and most of the time we skip over that, right? We just say, I don't need to read that. But we looked at it and took a deep dive last week and realized that those names, although there's a lot of them we didn't understand, a lot of them we didn't remember or know who they were, they were important. They were important. There was, there was great people in that list. There was people who had a life filled with scandal, a life filled with things that we wouldn't even mention. But God chose to put those in there to show us that no matter what, God is in control. No matter who we are, what we've done, God is in control. And so this morning, we're stepping into the next scene of that story. We're stepping into Matthew uh, chapter 1, 18 through 23. And this is where we see a baby announcement, a baby announcement. And I hope you know who that baby is. Jesus, yeah, there we go, Sunday school answers right there. So Jesus is who we're gonna be seeing this morning, the baby announcement. And, if, and if, you're a, if you're a lady, if you're a woman, a girl, you probably love when you see on, on uh, Facebook, stuff like that, all the different baby announcements, right? Caroline had, like a po uh, had probably a Pinterest board set up of how she was gonna announce that we had a baby uh, before it even got here. But we all love to see this exciting time. There's all kind of crazy things that people do to let their significant others know, to let other people know that there's a baby on the way. And for us, for Caroline and I, she, we, we got two girls, one of them's two and a half, one of them's 10 months, and the first baby, uh, she gave me a new jacket, and I got this jacket, I put it on, and she's like, man, the pockets are really warm too, check that out. And I was like, why would, I, why would you have your hands in the pockets of this jacket already? And so I stick my hands in, pull out, I thought they were gloves, but they were baby socks. And so that was a really fun way for her to tell me that we were pregnant, we were, I was, we were excited, we were so uh, joyful, it was a little scary, you know how it is. And, and then, 
So we had the baby, she's, her, she's, her name's Georgia, she's beautiful, most of you see her running everywhere, that's all she does. And now, uh, a few months in, 10 months old, uh, Caroline comes to me, she gives me a Father's Day gift, and it was a letter, and so I read the letter, and then I put it down, and she was like, I was like, thanks for the Father's Day gift, and she was like, did you read it? And I was like, yeah, I read it. And obviously she caught me, I didn't read it all the way, um, but it let me know that we were gonna have another baby. And at that moment, uh, we got one that's 10 months old that's like insane. She's crazy. She's awesome. I love her, but she's got too much energy. And I was like, how are we going to do it with another one? Like, there's no way. And so it was exciting. It was really scary. Um, And we were just looking forward to this new child coming. And so many times, baby announcements, they can be exciting. Sometimes they can be really surprising. Uh, They can be confusing. Um, Although we all know how babies get here, uh, sometimes it can still be a bit surprising, a bit confusing. But no matter what, no matter the situation, once we realize that there's gonna be a new life, we get over those first few emotions of maybe confusion, whatever's going on, and we realize, you know what, we're bringing a new life into this world. This is something to be excited about. A little baby is coming, and everybody loves little babies, as long as you have a heart. And so, like I said earlier, last week we looked at this ancestry of the king. We looked at this long list of names, and Matthew is talking to a Jewish audience, and as he's talking to this Jewish audience, they recognize every single one of these people. And so as they're recognizing the people, Matthew's given Jesus a little street cred, right? He's given some credibility to who Jesus is, who his grandparents are, who his parents are, who his great-grandparents are, all the way down to Abraham. And so Jesus, or Matthew is kind of setting us up, saying, listen, this, is, this has credibility. This isn't just some random baby that was born and became Jesus. No, this was intentional and this was on purpose. And so as he's writing to them, he's reminding them of of their heritage, but also like we said, like we saw, he's reminding them of of the scandalous things that went on. The people that you thought would never be worthy to be in the line of Jesus, they were included in that list of names. They were included in that story. People that we often look over were brought in. And that was to show us that this Jesus, this king, this, this baby, this Messiah was coming not just for the Jews, but he was also coming for the Gentiles. He was coming for all people. And so another thing he did that we saw that Michael showed us last week was that Jesus was coming and he was gonna fulfill some Old Testament prophecies, fulfill things that were said were gonna happen, are gonna come true in Jesus through his birth, through the birth announcement, through his lineage, through his actions, through the things that he does, and ultimately through the cross. All those things were shown beforehand. And so this morning, we're gonna be diving in, looking at the announcement of the king, this baby announcement. And as I was reading this passage this past week, just kind of studying, diving in, all I could see was just so many emotions going on. And I saw these emotions that happen that all of us experience, that all of us go through in all kind of different situations, and they just stood out so vividly. And so we're gonna look at those emotions, and most of the story is from uh, kind of Joseph's point of view. Joseph is the one that we're gonna feel his emotions as we're walking through this birth announcement. So before we dig in, uh, we're gonna stand as we read God's word. And like I said, we're gonna be in Matthew 1, 18 through 23. So if you wanna stand with us as we read God's word this morning. Matthew 1, verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, 
Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let's pray. Father, we love you and thank you this morning. And as we look at this story, give it to us afresh, give it to us new, and just remind us of the miraculous things that you've done already on our behalf. Father, help us to take in this, these words, Father, to help us to take in this, this story uh, and, and resonate with these emotions that Joseph feels, that we all feel. And Father, just help us to be pulled close to you this morning. Help us to be changed and help us to leave here affected. Father, we love you and praise you in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So like I said, there's some emotions. And the first one is probably obvious. The very first one is confusion, right? Confusion. Look at verse 18 again with him. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So Matthew wastes no time. He just jumps right in. He gets the story started. He doesn't have this cool trailer that they show, this this baby announcement they show. They don't give him a jacket with some socks in it. They don't do anything cute that you can post to Facebook. Mary just says, listen, I'm pregnant, we're engaged, and this is from the Holy Spirit. And Matthew's kind of like, what you gonna do now, Joseph? And so we see this, this idea of, confusion starting off. And so he's given us this idea from the point, the point of view of Joseph too. And Joseph, he's getting confused. And if you think about the story, we all know, and I've seen this story hundreds of times. And as we see the story, we see betrothment. We all say, yes, they were engaged. And so in this culture, betrothment was something that signified uh, a covenant, that signified being engaged. And it was a little bit more deeper than just an engagement. Most of the time, the families would come together and, and kind of set their daughters and their sons up. And so in this culture, they've known each other for a while. They've been engaged for some time. Their family has some kind of covenant they've gone together with, but Joseph and Mary have not actually been married. They haven't gone through the ceremony, although they're already called husband and wife. They're elevated, but yet they can't live together. So meaning that she shouldn't be pregnant. And so Joseph, his confusion starts because he has not been with Mary. He's probably not seen her for quite some time when he finds this out. And she's pregnant. And what's her excuse? Her excuse is that the baby is from the Holy Spirit. This this is God's baby. And today, I'm pretty sure that excuse would not fly over very well. And I'm pretty sure it didn't back then either. Because this was something that is impossible. There's no way that that could happen. But we're gonna see that God is way more powerful than we can imagine and that God makes the impossible things possible. And so in this story, in this confusion, we're seeing 
some miraculous things that are taking place. And the thing about this miracle is it's from the Holy Spirit. And now there's some people that say, oh, the Holy Spirit didn't come to us until Jesus left. And so the, the people in, Matt, in the book of Matthew didn't know who the Holy Spirit was, but no, that's wrong. The Jewish people were very familiar with the Old Testament. The Old Testament, we see the Spirit over and over again. The Spirit of God is there, is present, is active all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout since the beginning of history. He's active all the way from Genesis 1 in creation. The Spirit was hovering over the waters. He's active in redemption. He's active in restoration. He's active in the creation. He's also active in protecting people. He's also active in giving people strength in the Old Testament, calling leaders. So we see that the, the Holy Spirit has been active since the beginning. And so the people that Matthew is talking to immediately see the Spirit and for us, we say, oh yeah, it's just the Spirit. No, this was the Spirit of God active in this story. And so Joseph, I think that was what held him up from wanting to put her to shame. Although he was a just man, he was a righteous man, he said, wait a second, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God hasn't moved in years, but I'm a, I'm a, I know who God is and, and I wanna have a little faith about this. So like I said, as the story continues, Joseph, he's a just man, he's a righteous man man and he's unwilling to put her to shame and if you know much about this culture if someone's found with child and it's not by their husband or even if it's from before they get married they, they finally consummate that marriage then they can still be excommunicated they can still be looked down upon this is something that could haunt Mary the rest of her life and so Joseph he's trying to cope with this he's trying to figure out what's happening. He's probably known Mary for quite some time. He probably loves her, is ready to spend the rest of his life with her, and he gets this confusing news. And so that leads us to our second emotion that we see Joseph take up, and that's trust. Trust. As, as he considered these things, it said he was trying to figure out what was happening, how he should respond but we see that he responded with some trust. Let's read verse 20 through 21. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so this angel appears, another miracle in the story. That doesn't happen very often, but it appears to him in his dream. And the angel does a couple of things here. The first thing we see is that the angel affirms Joseph. He says, the son of David. He, he affirms this lineage that we just saw and walked through all the way from Abraham. We saw this royal lineage, this royal blood. And the angel immediately says, listen, you are the son of David. And so he's affirming who Joseph was. Next, he, he puts him at ease. He puts him at ease. He says, do not fear. And so as he says, do not fear, he gives him the same truth, the same thing that Mary had just told him. And so he's given this, he's a credible witness to what Mary had already told him. He's easing the frustration, easing the fear, easing the confusion 
of what's going on in Joseph's life. And then third, I see that he gives Joseph the right to be Jesus' adopted father. Because Jesus is clearly not his human son, but he is gonna be his father, right? And he's gonna give him the privilege to name the child. And whenever you name that child, that, that shows that you're their father. And so he has this privilege that the angel gives him to give him the name Jesus. And for the Jewish people, they knew this word. This meant, this is the word Yeshua. This was, this was a, a form of Joshua. This meant Yahweh will save. Jehovah will save. And so the word Jesus, that name was loaded. And so he gave him the honor to do that. And so this confusion begins to turn to trust. And so what's Joseph to do with this truth? What's he gonna do with this truth that he now has? Because in this culture, just like our culture, if you get married and just a few months later have a baby, you know something's up, right? Something happened before that marriage was finalized. And for Joseph, he knew that either way he took this, he was gonna take on ridicule, he was gonna take on shame. Because whether this child was his People are gonna look to him and say, you know what, you, you were a, right, a righteous, you were a just, you were a good man, but you know what, you messed up. You did this before you got married. And so the culture was gonna look down on them, gonna put shame on them. But also, in the same moment, if it wasn't his child, that means Mary was unfaithful to him. And he was gonna have to live in that shame as well, knowing that his wife or at least people looking on, thinking that his wife had been with someone else. And so the message that Joseph received, this trust, is not just that this baby is from God, but to trust that even though his reputation, his name, that righteous and just title that he had, it's gonna take a hit no matter what. There was nothing he was gonna be able to do to soften that blow. And that's where trust turns into courage. And so trust, he had, he had to take courage there. He had to step out in faith, knowing that God was in control, no matter what. He knew what was going on. People may think other things about him. People may think falsely of what's going on, but he trusted that God was faithful, God was true, that this was God's purpose and plan for him. And so he stepped out in faith. And every day we have the same opportunity. At work, at school, with our friends, our family. We have opportunities to, to trust God, even though it may cost us our reputation, even though it may cost us a friend or two. Joseph was willing to be vulnerable. He was willing to step into the unknown. He was willing to step into a situation that there was no win in the eyes of the people around him, in the eyes of his community. But he trusted God enough that no matter what, it was gonna be a win for him. And at our student life groups this past week, if you're not involved in student life groups, you need to be involved, our sixth grade through 12th grade on Wednesday nights. But uh, we, we meet up in homes, we have different parents and different leaders, college guys that come and lead. And this past week, um, we were, we've been studying this passage uh, in the book of Psalms, Psalm 118, this is the day that the Lord has made. And the study's called This is the Day. And we're learning to take charge of what's going on today, not waiting till tomorrow to do what God's called us to do, but, but taking 
today and not using it for our advantage. And so as we're discussing this, we split up into smaller groups and both seers asked a question. It wasn't even part of our study. He just posed the question. He said, what do you define as success? And we're talking to a couple high school students, a few middle school students. And of course, what do you define as success? We hear money, you hear jobs, you hear the women, uh, power, um, I'm really good at sports, we got to state championship, things like that. But one of the students, he stopped and he said, I think if whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it for the glory of God, that is success. And amen, right? Amen. And me and Bo just kind of stopped and we were like, whoa, all right. And uh, we, we were so taken aback, but in a good way, we were so blessed by just that thought. If whatever I am doing, I am doing it for God, then that is success. And I believe in this story, Joseph had that same gauge. He knew that the trust, that the step of courage he was gonna have to take to love Mary no matter what, to love Mary even though he knew this was from the Holy Spirit, this was from God. It wasn't gonna be easy living around his friends, living around his community because they were gonna have a, have a view of him. His reputation would take a small hit, maybe a big hit. And so whether it cost him that reputation, whether it cost him his friends, if it was for the glory of God, he was willing to do it. And so we see as, as we're progressing, we see that confusion. That confusion was met with, with a word from God, met with trust. And for each of us, when we start to trust God, we start to find our purpose, our purpose. And so the confusion that we see is, is now gone. There's now a purpose. There's now a way that we're to go. Look at these verses with me one more time. We're being 21 again all the way to 23. It says, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this son, it was gonna be Joseph's adopted son. He was gonna name it Emmanuel, which was said means Yahweh saves, God saves. And clearly his purpose, if that's his name, is to come and save God's people from their sin. And he even brings up this Old Testament passage, this Old Testament passage that's prophesying, the virgin birth prophesying that there is gonna be this one who comes to take away our sins, and that's gonna be Emmanuel, or God with us. And at Christmas time, we always put out this little picture. It just says, Emmanuel, God with us. And we sit it on our counter, we hang it up on the wall, wherever we wanna put it that year. And I think we can see that every day and just gloss over and say, oh, Emmanuel, God with us, and take it for granted. But that word is so meaningful. It's so simple, God with us, yet it's so profound. Look at what it means, God, the creator. That means the one who created all things, the sustainer. He's holy, he's righteous, he's just, he's marvelous, he's good. When we see him in the Old Testament appear to people, they can't even see him fully. They can't even see his face because they wouldn't be able to survive if they did. And so God, it says he is with us. With, that means he's a human being. He's walking around, he's living among us, he's talking, he's laughing, he's crying, he's just enjoying life as it was created to be. And he's teaching us, he's leading us, he's showing us, he's, 
eventually sacrificing himself for us. But who is that us? So God is with us. That us is each one of us, you and I, his creation, his image bearers, the ones that he created the world for. And he gave us responsibilities. He gave us people around us. He gave us love. He gave us all kind of joy. But us, his creation, turned against him. We said, we can do it better than you can, God. And we disobeyed. We turned and went the other way. And so we see Emmanuel, God with us. When we read that word, we can just remember it from the last many Christmases we had, or we can sit there and look at it and say, you know what, this is a miracle. This does not happen. And so as we're seeing this, we see that God had to humble himself. He stepped out of heaven and onto earth to be with us. And so as we've been looking at the story, we've also been looking at how the Jews were responding. And if you know much about the Jewish culture, about the Jewish religion, they're living among the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire has basically taken on whatever gods that they take over. So whatever cultures, whatever kingdoms they take over, they just assume that God. They, they have many gods, many forms, many religions. And it, so many of these have gods that have become humans, gods that have fallen from heaven, whatever it may be. And for the Jewish culture, that was something that they just didn't believe. They did not believe that God would ever, he's too perfect, he's too holy, he's too righteous, he could never even come to us. And so these are the last people on earth who would believe that truth. And Tim Keller in his book, Hidden Christmas, said it as he was studying this, he said, everything in the Hebrew worldview militated against the idea that a human being could be God. Jews would not even pronounce Yahweh nor spell it. And yet Jesus Christ, by his life, by his claims, and by his resurrection, convinced his closest Jewish followers that he was not just a prophet telling them how to find God, but God himself who had come to find us. And so this incarnation, this Emmanuel, God taking on human flesh, it makes no sense, yet it makes total sense. This idea is packed so full in this word Emmanuel, and I believe Matthew put it here specifically because this is the beginning of what we see of Jesus, and it's foundational to our belief, to our faith. It's foundational to the entire New Testament because the entire New Testament is based on the fact that Jesus is God. And so for Joseph, this word that he received from the angel, this word of confirmation, this word of trust, this word of truth, it led to giving him purpose. He knew that no matter what was gonna happen, he was still going to trust God. That this was no ordinary kid about to be born. This was the king of all kings. This was the Lord of the universe, the creator. He was gonna come in the form of a baby and live with us. And so too often we can gloss over that. We can hear it so many times that it just becomes, we become a little numb to it. We say, oh yeah, it's a miracle. But I think we only have two responses we can have to this. One response is you can believe it. And it can change who you are. It can change what you believe. It can change what you do when you walk out of this door. But the second response is you reject it. 
I don't believe there's any in-between. He's either God or he's not. As Tim Keller said, he was either absolutely crazy or either he was infinitely wonderful. So we see Joseph, he's going from the stage of confusion. He's moved now into trusting God, believing that this child will be his and then this child's not just any child. He's gonna be the savior of the world. And so last night, I got the privilege to go to a dance recital, a, a ballet. I know many of y'all, I see, a few, I see a few of them out here right now. But I got to go to a uh, dance recital, this ballet. And it was beautiful. It was great. And as I was watching it, and I'd been focusing on this story all week, this, this idea of these emotions that we see, Man, it was so confirmed last night I was watching this ballet. Because if you're familiar with ballet, there's not usually any talking. There's no words. They read a few verses at the beginning, some in the middle. Um, but for the most part, they're telling this story through dance, through song, and just through emotions that you feel. And as I was sitting there watching this ballet last night, seeing, seeing Joseph, Joseph is sitting there confused, he's happy, and all of a sudden he hears that she's with child and it's from the Holy Spirit, and he's so confused, and he's so a little bit hurt. He's like, what is going on? And no words were said, it was just dancing, just emotions. But then as the angel came, as he's sleeping, he woke up and he was just walking differently. He had a different, a different walk as he went to see Mary. He now moved to this attitude of trust. He was trusting God, was sovereign, trusting God, was holy, trusting that no matter what, he was listening to God. And then it moved into showing the purpose and that near the end, the cross came out. And we realized the true purpose that this baby had to be born was because somebody had to pay the penalty that we deserved. Somebody had to take on the punishment that we deserve. And it couldn't just be some man. It couldn't just be some person. It had to be God himself because we couldn't stand before God and say, I'm sorry, God, because we are not holy or righteous. And so I saw each of these emotions so vividly and it gave me a fresh perspective on this story that I'd read 30 times this week. The story that I've read for the last 30 years of my life. that there's this miraculous virgin birth. Virgin birth doesn't even make sense putting those two words together. But it's part of God's story, it's part of our story. And too often we take it for granted. We take this story of the virgin birth of God coming with us for granted. So looking at this announcement, what does this baby announcement mean for us? I believe it means God, the creator of the universe, the one we sang to earlier, the one those people that got baptized committed their life to, the one who created us in his image, the one who created us like him, created us for a purpose, and also the one we betrayed, the one we disobeyed, the one we turned our backs on, the one we ran from. But the announcement meant that there was now a time that we we're gonna be forgiven. The sin, the, the, the turning our backs on him, the disobedience 
was too heavy. None of us could take on that penalty. And it couldn't be just shrugged off. It had to be dealt with, it had to be taken care of. And so God didn't just send somebody else to do it. He sent his son. He sent himself to step into the world in order for our sins to be covered, in order for our sins to be washed away, in order for us to be saved. And so for Christmas, Christmas gives us the idea that there is all the hope in the world. All the hope in the world. Whether we're going to Christmas parties, whether we're putting up our Christmas tree, sometimes those things so beautiful, so fun, so meaningful, they can distract us. And so this Christmas, how are we listening to the Christmas story again? Are we remembering it for its miracles? For, are we remembering it for the fact that God is now with us? Because God stepped out of heaven, he stepped into life with us, out of his splendor, out of the beauty, out of his glory, out of the majesty, and came to a little manger that smelled bad. Stepped into a place, this world that is gross, it's broken, it's running as fast as it can away from him. And yet he came into it, he lived as one of us. He taught us. He lived a life that we couldn't and then ultimately made a way for us back to him. And at Christmas, we think about the Christmas spirit. And that Christmas spirit is always a spirit of giving, right? It's always a spirit of enjoying giving to one another. And, and I believe we ultimately base that off God. Because God, he was willing to go to people without influence, people without power, people who couldn't even make themselves right again. And he stepped into our place and took on our punishment. And he didn't need to come, right? He didn't need to come, but he did anyways. And I believe that's the Christmas spirit that we should be emulating. That's the spirit that we have to have. And one more commentator said, the incarnation did not happen merely to let us know that God exists. It happened to bring him near so he can be with us and we with him. And so as we walk this Christian life, as we live this life, there's gonna be times of confusion. There's gonna be times where we're like, God, I don't know what's going on right now. What does this mean? Why did this happen? Why am I in this situation? But as we see in scripture, we can't stay there. We can't stay there. We have to move to an understanding of a trust. We have to trust that God is sovereign, trust that God is over all things, and then ultimately find our purpose in those situations. It's not gonna be easy. And it doesn't just come magically either. It doesn't just get whispered into our ear. So how can we find our purpose? How can we find this idea of trust? How can we trust who God is? Well, this Christmas, I got a few ways for you. One, pray. God gave us a way to talk with him, to experience him, and that was through prayer, through communion with him, giving time to just spend with God, regular, candid, and loving prayer. And the second way is just reading his word. God's words, we say we haven't heard from God in a while, just open your Bible and read. He's speaking to us through his word. We have to have this deep acquaintance with his word, this deep longing, this deep understanding so that when times get confusing, when times get tough, we know who we're falling back on and that's Jesus Christ. 
And so let us not hear this miraculous story of the virgin birth, of the incarnation, that God is now with us. Like I said, it makes no sense, yet it makes perfect sense. It's the only way that we can come back to him. And so this Christmas, in all the hustle and all the, the fast-paced gift buying and Christmas parties and pretty sweaters, all those things, let us not use, let those distract us. I challenge you this Christmas, over the next few weeks before it gets here, read through the gospel stories. Read through the accounts of Christ coming. Luke 1 and 2, you see so many miraculous things happen. Read through the Matthew, read through these names we see again. Focus on who God is and who Jesus is and why he came. Because we gotta take this story, this story of Jesus coming to earth for us, this miraculous story of redemption, and we have to realize we're part of that too. And so this morning, how are we celebrating Christmas? Is it just one more thing to check off the list or is it life-changing? Is it reorienting? Is it new? Is it fresh? If not, dive into his word. Focus on him.